Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, church family, Pastor Phil. I call him Papa Hoppa. Thank you so much for the introduction. Uh, as he said, my name's Tashawn. I do have the privilege of being the student pastor. I want to say this to Pastor Phil. Hey, thank you so much for being just the next level leader. Truly, I'm so thankful for this opportunity, and thank you for the ways that you've trained me up uh, to be able to stand here today. Y'all, I am fired up about today's message. We got David and Goliath today. Are y'all ready to hear the word? Hey, listen, let me just tell you this. It is cold out there. I don't know where you're watching from, okay? Wherever you're at in the world, we're in the Midwest. It is minus degree weather. It is cold out there. But the Word of God, it is hot today. I'm telling you right now, it is going to fire you up, okay? So listen, let me just say this on the front end. Uh, I don't know if you're at Crossroads, Blue Springs, Independence, watching online. But the word amen today, the word amen today is a notice to the devil that he is getting put on notice. That we're going to believe different things today than what we believed before today. Amen? All right. So I'm telling you, that word is okay. We're going to talk in church today, okay? Don't be too cute in here, all right? I'm just telling you right now. We're in a leadership series all on the heart of A king, and today's leadership principle is this. As a leader, your courage doesn't come from a lack of fear, but a lack of self. People think that what makes them strong is that they don't have fear. You ask people, hey, what are you afraid of? I ain't afraid of nothing. I'm strong. I don't have fear. But understand, like, if you have no fears, then you have no courage. If you don't have fear, there's nothing to be courage for, courageous for. So we're going to learn today where courage comes from. And we're going to learn today that if we're going to see victories, we've got to recognize our enemy. We've got to remember who fights for us. And lastly, y'all, we've got to respond by faith. If you're ready to hear it like I am to preach to say this, I'm going to see a victory. Say it right now. I'm going to see a victory. Okay, so we said it a little bit out of sync, and that was probably on me. But here's the deal. That was set up that way because I want you at Crossroads, Blue Springs, Independence, you two, one voice. We're going to say this together on three. One, two, three. I'm going to see a, whoo, I think y'all are ready. You are going to see a victory. Let me tell you why you're going to see a victory, because our God is faithful. He is trustworthy. He keeps his promises. He cannot fail. Whatever you've walked in here with, it's got to bow to our God. Amen? So we know this story. We know David wins. I'm telling you on the front end, end of the story, David wins. They're like, okay, amen, we can walk out of church. No. David does win, but today we're going to talk about why he wins, why he wins. This is one of the most told stories, not just by believers, but non-believers as well. We got the Super Bowl around the corner, March Madness around the corner. You're going to hear many people announcing things, and they might say, we got a real David and Goliath story here, where they paint David as this underdog and the Goliath as this big dog. But we as believers, we need to reject this narrative. Because David's no underdog. He's not the creator God of the universe on his side. What's underdog about that? Goliath just misunderstood who he was. And Israel listened far too long to the voice of Goliath. 
We're talking about the courage of a leader this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's where we're going to be. 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Philistines, they've gathered their forces for war in the valley of Elah. Listen, this is real place. This is a real place. I actually got the opportunity to take our students on a Holy Land tour, and this is where we were overlooking this valley right here where the Philistines have gathered for war to take this land from the Israelites that God had given them. And they want to fight with the Philistines, but they have, uh, with the Israelites, but they have a different strategy this time. Verse 4, we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 17. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. Amen. And wore a bronze helmet and a bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. That's a lot of weight. I cannot lift that. You're laughing, but I can't yet. Okay, Uh, there was a bronze armor on his shins. Bronze sword was slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam. I mean, that's like some Chad Glover stuff. I don't know what that means. We got a weaver's beam for his spear. And the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. As if it wasn't enough, he's got a shield bearer walking in front of him. Goliath is a big man. Now, I know what some of you are thinking already. Really? Goliath in the land? Come on. No way. Understand a few things. We got to go back into our history. Goliath of Gath, he was a descendant of the Anakim. The Anakim were a race of giants said to be descendants of the Nephilim. The Nephilim who were fallen angels, demons, who took on physical form and they mated with the daughters of Eve. If you've got time, you should read Dr. Michael Heiser's book called The Unseen Realm. He references the Egyptian archaeological record of the giants in the land. It would be Joshua in Joshua chapter 11 who is charged by God to drive out the sons of Anak and defeat the Anakim race. He drove out all of them. He defeated all of them except for in three cities. One of those cities was Gath. And now we have 400 years later a giant by the name of Goliath who has emerged. Here's the point for you and for me that the giants you let remain will try to rule. The giants that you let remain will try to rule. And if you leave them unaddressed, they will rule. It may take some time. It took 400 years, but here Goliath is. Verse 8, he stood and shouted to the Israelite battle formations. Why do you come out to line up in battle formation, he asked them. Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. If he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so that we can fight each other. Verse 11, check this out. When Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. Your courage as a leader comes from point number one, you need to recognize your enemy. You need to recognize your enemy. See, church, the real battle isn't what you can see. The real battle isn't what you can see. It's always about what you can't see. I love this quote by Pastor Phil. He says this, you either be controlled by what you can see or what God has said. And as a believer, we don't place our faith in what we can see. We get to respond. We get to open God's word and know how the story ends. Man, that's been given to us as a gift by God. We got to open his word. 
Don't you often wish that you had access to the end of stories? I was watching the Chiefs game last night, okay? Some of y'all were at the game. You were the ones who were live, in here live. Y'all were at the game, okay? <laughs> but I was watching the Chiefs game last night, and after Tyreek Hill scored that first touchdown, my heart sank. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, here, here we go again. Lord, prepare me. It's okay. It's okay. I'm surrendering it. Okay. <laughs> But then I was like, okay, no, let me just stay. Let me just watch. Okay, we can't just give up. Okay, we, we got we to gotta stay in it. Okay, and, and we got to see a victory. I'm so excited as the Chiefs. We got, that, we got that dub, okay? Here's the point. That we love knowing how things are going to end when we watch them. Let's just be real. We watched the replay. I would not have wasted my time re-watching that game had they lost. I can tell you right now. Okay? You ever sit down and you rewatch something? You know how it ends, so even when it's getting tough, you're like, whew, but I already know what happens. Okay? That's what's going on. We love that. And right here in Missouri, this is the show me state. So I'm just telling you right now, we love knowing stuff. Okay? <laughs> but Israel and Saul, even David, they did not have what we have. They didn't have 1 Samuel chapter 17. They, could, they did not know the end of the story. They're in the middle of the process, so we get to see the end of the story. All they know is that Goliath of Gath is trying to rule. And understand, church, that you may not face Goliath, but you will face giants in this life. Amen. And these Goliaths are not just threatening you. They're threatening the God in you. They're threatening the God in you. And the Bible tells us that Goliath didn't just shout these words once. Like, he didn't just show up one day and said, I defy the ranks of Israel. He didn't just show up once. Verse 16, it says this, And the Philistine drew near, presented himself for 40 days, morning and evening. For 40 days, Goliath stood shouting these same insults, these same taunts, defying the ranks, challenging the strength and the power of the Israelites. He's inciting fear. He's inciting fear. And the response of the Israelites was that they stood frozen in their fear. Man, I love the Word of God because it points out not just how they responded, but how they fell. Did you catch that in verse 11? It says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. Church, you need to know this, that feeling fear isn't the problem. The problem is making fear Lord. The problem is when you make Fear, Lord, and you submit to it. Not one man stepped forward. Saul should have stepped forward. He's head and shoulders taller than everyone else and good looking. Like all the things that, there, that was the marker of a king, Saul had him. He looked the part, but he didn't have the heart. Saul was trying to save his own life. He was so full of himself. Maybe it was because he was good looking. I don't know. But I do know that he was full of himself. But we know that courage doesn't come from a lack of fear, but a lack of self. And when you make fear, Lord, the reality is that the facts no longer matter. So you run off of what you feel. And whatever you feel starts to rule what you do. And this has a domino effect because it makes that thing bigger, badder, scarier, even more unapproachable to face. And we're all guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. In 2016, 
I remember I got the opportunity to step on staff here at Abundant Life. My wife and I had just gotten married, and, 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 and later on that year, a Goliath showed up to our house. But his name wasn't Goliath, it was fear. Fear shows up at our house. See, church, my wife shared with me a couple things, a couple revelations that she had. One of them was which that she could, not, she could not articulate her gospel story. The second thing was that she understood that she had not been biblically baptized, meaning that when she got baptized, she did it for the approval of man, not to let the world know that she was in the faith. So now, there we are, frozen in our fear. And instead of responding by faith, we chose to hide in our dysfunction. Did you know that you can get comfortable in your dysfunction long enough when you sit in it? That's exactly where we found ourselves, comfortable in our dysfunction, deeply fearful, deeply afraid of people's opinion. What would they think? For my wife, she's thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. I was raised in church. Like, would they ever, like, like, be, like would I ever be accepted if, like, people knew? Like, my husband's baptizing people. We're on staff. He's leading people to the Lord, but I don't know where I'm at with that. Would people even, like, accept me if they knew my story? There's a lot of shame in my story. And not to mention the own, her own fears that she had had because of previous church hurt. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, oh, no, who have I married? Like, like, what do you mean? You don't understand these things. I'm baptizing people. I'm trying to lead people to the Lord. But yet, the, the, the woman I chose, that I, I remember asking myself, I know I asked the questions about, like, hey, like, where are you at with Jesus? These are things that we would have talked about when we first got together. I knew I had done those things. But now I've got this fear, and I'm like, oh, no. No, people can't know this. Uh-uh. I even told my wife, you'll never share your story. Now I'm playing into the dysfunction. Now I've got the fear. I'll just roll with it. In my head, this is where I justified it. I don't want people to know because they'll think terribly of my wife. No, I was just trying to save myself. I was just trying to live like Saul. There's a Saul within us all, one within Tashan too, trying to preserve my name, my reputation. Meanwhile, this Goliath, fear, sitting in the corner, laughing, chuckling. But I got news for you, church, this morning. He's not laughing no more because I know how that story ends. We saw a victory. We saw a victory. And I'm just telling you this morning, you're going to see a victory too. You're going to be saying amen. Could it be that the Goliaths, or could it be that the reason why we have so much fear of these giants in our lives is because, is because we've sat too long under their voice? Too long under the voice of the Goliath in our lives saying, you'll never be good enough. You'll never be smart enough. You'll never be successful. That business plan, that won't work. You've gone too far. God can't love someone like you. You don't have the strength to face this. You've sat too long under the power of these words, and they've stolen your courage. And I'm convinced that they steal your courage because we don't recognize who our real enemy is and what we're up against. Who was Goliath, and what did he want to do to Israel? Understand that Goliath of Gath represented more than just the champion to the Philistines. Goliath of Gath wanted to take them back to a place that God had brought them out of. 
Remember, church, we as believers, we don't focus on what we see. We have to go back to what God has said. What has God said? That Jesus came to set the captive free, but Satan desires to take the free into captivity. Jesus came so that you could be free. It's why it's crucial that we know the Word of God. What does the Bible say when we're in the midst of these battles? How are we to respond when what we see isn't lining up to what God has said? We go to the Scriptures. Ephesians 6, 12. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Goliath, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. What this means is that the real enemy is not your wife. I'm going to get in your kitchen if you got in mine. The real enemy isn't your coworker, although they get on your nerve. If they do, just look ahead. Okay, you invited them to church for a reason on this cold day. Just, just keep them right here into your church house. Stay on the screen. Don't just blink. The Lord knows. The real enemy is not that anxiety, although you may feel stuck. The real enemy is not your kids, although they need salvation. Your real enemy is Satan, and his agenda is clear. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But I want to let you know today that Jesus came that you may have life, and you may have it more abundantly. If the Son shall set you free, you're going to be free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. So understand that you were called to freedom. You can't go back because you were called to be free. And that's where David comes into this story. His father wakes him up one morning, says, hey, go take your brother some cheese, some grain. David rises one morning. He leaves his sheep with the 99 to go after the one. I mean, Israel, you'll get that later. And he gets to the battle line, and he's striking up this conversation with the troops, and out comes Goliath of Gath. Church, let me tell you. This story is good, but it's going to get gooder, okay? This is where we're at, verse 23. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the men, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Take notes, not just their response, but their feeling. And now their fear has created an illusion of who Goliath really is. But we know how the story ends. But let's ask ourselves this question. How did David see what no one else could see? See, David knew the power of God because he had spent time in the presence of God. And as he got in the presence of God, he got a new perspective. If you want the power of God, you need to get in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, you'll get a new perspective. That he may not change your circumstance, but he can change you in your circumstance. That you don't have the power within you, but you've got something in you. I'm talking about the Spirit of God in you. And I'm telling you, that's the one. He's the one who fights your battles. Do you get in the presence of God? Because that's where your strength comes from. David would say, I would look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And he got power from that place. And that's where you too can draw power from that place. Verse 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. Will give him his daughter, the good looking one, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. 
Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Point number two, your courage from a leader comes from recognizing your enemy and remembering who fights for you. Who fights for you? See, Israel and David, they don't see Goliath in the same way. Same giant, two different perspectives. I heard a preacher say it this way. The rest of the army looked at Goliath, and he said he's too big to kill. But David looked at Goliath and said, he's too big to miss. Like he is seen at nine feet. I wonder, what's your perspective today? Israel said Goliath is defying us. Lock in with me. So if they see themselves as the only one involved in the fight, no wonder why they're so afraid. Because they left God out of the whole equation. The thing with fear is this. If you isolate whatever you fear from the reality of God, then what you fear should scare you. I'm going to say it again. If you isolate whatever you fear from the reality of God, then what you fear should scare you. We're human beings. We're not strong enough to fight all of these battles, smart enough to overcome every obstacle, wise enough to always know what to do. And that's not to condescend. It's just to expose our humanness. And that's often where God wants us to remember that we can become strong by remembering that when we are weak, he is strong. We need a Savior, and that's the difference between Israel and David's response. Now we're getting into how they saw the victory, where Israel said Goliath is defying us. David acknowledges Goliath's defying of Israel as a challenge to God. One advantage that David had was that he didn't sit in the dysfunction of Goliath's taunts for days. When you feel like the enemy is speaking something to you that God didn't say over you, you need to shut that down day one. Because days can become decades, and decades can alter destinies. But we don't want that. We need to shut it down day one. The other thing that David had was that he didn't make it about himself. It wasn't that David didn't have fear. He just didn't make it about himself. Until you're selfless, you can't be courageous. You'll be fearless. You won't be fearless. You'll be fearful. See, fear compounds fear. Saul stood frozen, so did the rest of Israel, because as they looked at their leader, they responded in the same way, but not David. He didn't look at Saul. David had a different kind of relationship with Saul. He said, hey, you may be king, but I've got a high king. He is God. David knew the scriptures. Did you see in David's response how he noted that Goliath was uncircumcised? Did you see that? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Understand, church, that this did not have to do with a body part, but whose body he was a part. Circumcision was a requirement of all Abraham's descendants, and it was a part of the covenant that God had with Abraham. What was the covenant? I'm so glad you asked. This is what it says in Genesis 12. It says this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This does not sound from Goliath like a blessing. See, church, 
Goliath had no covenant relationship with God, rendering him powerless against those who did. I'd imagine David at this point is rallying the troops. He's like, are y'all kidding me? He's not part of the circumcision. What are we doing? Teenage shepherd boy. He's like, are y'all kidding me? His voice is cracking, but he's fired up though. He's like, put me in, coach. And not only that, he added on. Because David felt some kind of way about Goliath as he was shouting. Did you see his words? Verse 26, we'll put it on the screen. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the who? Living Living God. Let me ask you, is your God alive? Crossroads, is your God alive? Blue Springs, is your God alive? Independence, is your God alive? If your God is alive, you ought to tell that to Satan. You ought to tell that to anxiety. You ought to tell that to depression. You ought to tell that to doubt. My God is alive, and because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Amen. You need to put the devil on notice this morning. We're going to walk out of here with a new battle cry. I'm going to see a victory. You're going to see it. Could it be? That the Goliaths in your life are bigger, badder, and scarier because of being God-focused, yourself-focused. See, for David, once he recognized who his real enemy was, he knew who would fight for him. It was time for him to respond by faith. That's why a lot of people get frozen, by the way. But as David moves toward the enemy, and as he stepped out toward Goliath, Goliath steps out toward him. Let me help you understand something, that the outcome of anything is not the evidence of faith. The outcome is not the evidence of faith. Obedience is. And as you step out in obedience from being unseen by your enemy to seen, you're now a threat. So don't think that as you take a next step in your faith and you're going to declare by faith that you're going to see a victory that it, will, that it won't come without trial. It will. It's why the moment that you decide to fast, you, you will never feel hungrier. I'm just telling you right now. You decide to fast, you're like, man, I don't know, I'm so hungry. Or you decide to pray and you'll never feel more distracted. The moment you decide to face that fear is when it feels more daunting. And then the taunts come. Verse 42, and when the Philistine looked out and saw David, he disdained for him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. Good for you too, David. Verse 43, so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog? That you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Verse 44, and the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Point number three, and finally, your courage as a leader comes from recognizing your real battle, remembering who fights for you, and then lastly, you got to respond by faith. you got to respond by faith. And it's at this point, church, where you've got to remember that the courage to face the Goliaths in your life don't come from a lack of uh, self, I'm sorry, from a lack of fear, but a lack of self. It's the point where all the voices begin to turn up more and more and more. You're going to fail. You can't do this. You'll never be free. And you've got to respond. You've got to respond the same way that David would respond. See, David knew that the same God who delivered him from the paw of the lion is the same God who would deliver him from the paw of the bear, is the same God who would deliver him from the hand of Goliath. So you too have to respond, yes, my flesh may fail, but my God never will. 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know I can't do this on my own. On my own, I'll never be free, but I know that if the Son will set me free, I can be free. I can walk in the newness that Christ has called me to. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. You can walk in that today. Let me ask you, have you jotted down the faithfulness record of God in your life? Have you made note of that? See, David approached Goliath based off the history he had with God. David and God had a history. And as a result, he got to see and experience the faithfulness of God time and time again. Remember, the power of God comes from time spent in the presence of God. And that's when you get the new perspective. You're like, Deshaun, how do I know that I've spent time in the presence of God? I'll tell you. I'll give you one way to know that you've spent time in the presence of God. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. That no matter what you're going through, what you're thinking about, man, I've got joy because, my, because the creator has now informed me, given me a new perspective, and I can walk in that. I can walk in that. Let me ask you, whose strength are you responding with? Don't tell God how big your giant is. Tell your giant how big your God is. The challenge that's in front of you is an indication of the power that's in you. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. You're no underdog. Remember, though, it's not about the outcome. It's about obedience, faith in motion. So there I was, sitting in this meeting with Pastor Phil. I'd had a conversation with my wife. She had come to me and said, Tashana, I feel like this fear is dominating us. We've sat here too long. I'm like, you know, you're right. It's time to step out in obedience. So all the thoughts of what would people think, and, and I'm telling you, they start to rise. Well, are people going to question all the people that you've baptized? Are they going to question your salvation? All the things begin to swirl around in your head, but you know what? We're going to step out and respond by faith. So there I am in that meeting. Pastor was like, hey, we want a story of life change. And Pastor Sean, and I'm like, oh, Lord, you just opened the door, didn't you? He's like, yep. I'm like, Hey, Pastor Phil, I got, I got, I got a story. He's like, Deshaun, you know, you got that voice, mind crack. Deshaun, what is it? I'm like, man, my wife. He's like, really? We got to share it. I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so I go to my wife. Hey, babe. They said, like, they want you to share your story. She's like, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. She's smiling. Yeah. I need to go talk to the Lord. I'm like, yeah, you do, because I need to talk to him too, because the fear starts to run rampant, and we start to want to submit to it again, but not anymore, not anymore. She shared her story about what God has done. Then she stepped in that water, buried in the likeness of Christ, and she wanted to let everyone know that she was raised to walk in newness of life. This is a picture of my wife getting baptized, y'all. It was really awesome, really cool day. I'm so proud of you for living fearless. For living fearless. This is a picture of us, by the way, smiling back at fear, saying, you're not welcome here. Some of y'all need to start smiling back at that thing and saying, hey, you know, you're not welcome here. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to move forward by faith. No more. Ephesians 6, 
says, because the weapons of the enemy are so great, it says, therefore, take up the what? The whole armor of God. And that's what we stand on. That's what we stand on. So today we're going to do our ending a little bit different. In a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to stand in a moment. And I'm going to read the declaration, the battle cry of David. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing, I'm going to see a victory. And then after we sing, I'm going to close this out. And when you sing this, I recognize that some of you in here will have a hard time proclaiming this out loud. But I want to let you know that our warfare is in our worship. That although you cannot see it yet, you don't respond by what you can see. You respond by what God has said. Blue Springs Independence, Crossroads. You may be in your house on your couch, but it's time to stand up. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. Come on, all across all of our campuses, we're going to stand on this truth. We're going to stand because we're going to inform our feet with our faith that we are going to see a victory. You're going to see a victory in that thing you're walking through. You may be beaten down in your mind. You may be beaten down because of a situation going on in your family, in your job, in your marriage. But I'm telling you today, you're going to see a victory. I'm telling you today that by faith, God is going to move in your life. And I want you, I want to let this declaration that we're about to read right now, inform you of what you got on your side. Because understand, church, that Goliath has some weapons. But I want you to see what David came with. Y'all ready to read this? Woo! Here we go. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a weapon, a spear, a weapon, and with a javelin, a weapon. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, a weapon, church. You've got the name of Jesus on your side. That's your weapon, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. This day, say this day. The Lord will deliver you to my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And say this day. I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will, he will, he will, he will, he will. You got to say it till you believe it. He will, he will, he will, he will bring you out of whatever it is that you are going through and give it to your hands. Basically what David was saying is this, I'm going to see a victory. You're going to see a victory. I hope this sits so deep in your soul. Because for some of you, for too long, you've been sitting under that voice of anxiety, depression, loss. That was my story. Too long, financial struggle, trauma, circumstances. And notice how David declared it to be true, although he had yet to see it. This isn't prosperity, it's a perspective. You're going to see a victory. So it may not be on this side of heaven, but I've read the end of the book. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back so I can step out by faith. I can step out in spite of what I can see on what God has said. 
and it doesn't matter, it's gonna look a little funky, your voice may crack, but let me just tell you this, you are going to see it, let me tell you why. Because our God's alive. Revelations 21 and 25. He says this, I'm making all things new. Write these words down for they're trustworthy and true. He's making you new in Jesus' name. He's making you new, Blue Springs. He's making you new, Independence. He's making you new, Crossroads. He's making you new. And I'm telling you, you don't have to wait to praise him. You can just do it right now. You can declare it by faith right now. Although you can't see it, God has said it. And I'm just telling you, the victory is yours. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, for each and every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, who is pressed down, shaken, but Lord, they're not defeated. Because you're the God of victory. You're the Lord of hosts. So we call on the Lord of hosts. Right now, I call on the Lord of hosts in the anxiety, the Lord of hosts in the shame, the Lord of hosts in the doubt, the Lord of hosts in the depression, the Lord of hosts in the financial situation. Lord, help them see a victory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.